This podcast is a production of Digital and Creative Media Works. To help support us, head to dcm.works to find links to our other show notes, Patreon, and merch. Life is really complicated, and sometimes you just need to talk to someone. So every fortnight, I call up a buddy of mine, and we chat. This week, I talked to Aaron about art, graduating, and what a career means. This is Phone a Friend. Dave, we're in your lovely apartment. Thank you for having the show here. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are people at my home currently watching football, so <laughs> I realized there would not be enough quiet for this. For those of you at home, we are on opposite ends of the apartment on a phone. It's great. We're actually yeah. sitting from like the it's end so of the good. wall. Yeah, it's it's quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying not sh- to make eye contact. Have I shattered the illusion? Maybe we should be facing the other way, so yeah. it feels <laughs> yeah, like a phone yeah, call. So it feels like yeah, there's a yeah. disconnect. <laughs> My name is Arn, and I am a fine arts graduate from Queensland University of Technology, and I majored in creative and professional writing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good. Good pitch. I like yep. that. <laughs> that was good. You said that like you lost all hope for life. You're like, I'm graduating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I hope that comes up on the recording. I think it will. Um. <laughs> I think it's unmissable. And uh, so your experience, obviously, um, we've talked many times off microphone about our experiences with writing and growing up and stuff like that. So I don't want to like rehash that too much. Yeah. But you're coming to the close of your study at this point, of your undergraduate study. Yes. And then moving into presumably more study in that area. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. The the idea is to do postgrad. Yeah. That is the That's idea. That's the idea. <laughs> and there may be some complications that we've... wonderful idea. <sighs> we, may, we may get into some of those complications later, but how have you found... Because we've had very different opinions. We both did the same degree. So I, yes. I completed my fine arts degree at the middle of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, or the end of last year. No, yeah, the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, same degree, same university. And we have very different opinions about the degree as a whole, I think. I think in a lot do. of ways. I think we do. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. how have you felt about it thus far? And what do you think you've gained as, as someone who actively pursues their own study and you read a lot and you read on theory and you're actually involved and engaged outside of just being taught what they're teaching you? How have you, how did you find the, the experience of that? particular? I mean, o- overall, I thought the experience was incredibly positive. Um, but uh, this is, this is more from a technical angle. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I really hope that doesn't change as much, you know. I do think there are, there are some gaps there f- for f- people who want to want to study something more in the realm of popular culture. See, this is the something that I that I rant and rant to my <laughs> uh my friends about mm. is uh how in first year I remember the induction. I remember a whole lecture room, you know, about 300 seats, 200 were in attendance. <laughs> Wait, you actually went to induction? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Why? Because I oh, I wanted the university experience. Oh, I was like, fuck um, that. Yeah, I'm, fuck I'm, I don't want any of that experience. I want that degree, baby. I want that education. Yeah, I want that education. I think I was working probably that day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember um, I remember introduction to creative writing, which was the the seminal uh, writing unit. Um, and how many hopeful young writers oh, there man. were in there um, yeah. who by second semester of first year, it all but disappeared. Um, and I, I think that's because in part due to the, the romance of becoming a creative writer being just yanked away. Um, do, do you think people coming in from, so if we're talking like for some Australian context, because a lot of our listeners are international, yes. um, fine arts degrees in Australia tend to have a pretty low entry point. So most people can get in. Yeah, Gen- yeah, yeah. Gen- I'm generalizing. Well, the, but, yeah, so you know. for some, there's there's a folio. Um, sure, but for creative writing, you just walk in the door. For this particular yeah. degree, yeah, it used to, it used to be uh, folio based. Interesting. And it then they were like, be. "We've run out of funding." I for think. That. Oh, I, I think. I think the the induction was a little too low because right. of that. I, and that's just my my speculation. So, do you feel like that that drop off reflects a problem with the industry, or is that just because of the nature of a first year course in general? Because I, th- I think there's a critical difference between uh, uh, arts courses and other technically focused courses. So, like, the difference between my business degree and arts degree are, like, miles apart. 
because a lot of people who, who don't drop out in business in the first year, they drop out in like second or third year when it gets hard. Whereas arts, they drop out, it seems like immediately, you know. Yeah, there's, there's, I, I, think that's, yeah. I think that's definitely the romance just disappearing. The honeymoon stage is over quite quickly. But don't people get to university, like shouldn't you have got to university and by that point realize that there, there's no romance in like education and work? <laughs> like shouldn't... I'm not, not when you're a creative writer. I think I came in with very much the same mindset. You know, I for me, when I first came in, I I kind of had more of a haughty uh, approach to it where I was like, oh, this is a creative writing degree. What are they going to teach me? You know, what, what, oh. can, I learn, what can I learn from this? Right. Um, uh, which, as, in, as in I'm a creative writer, I why am, do I need a degree I kind of thing? I am a goddamn writer. I don't need, I don't need to be taught. Um, what, was there uh, a specific point where that thinking changed? Or yeah, was it about time? first week. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I think, I, think um, uh, I, was, I was very passionate. I was enthused. Um, and so was everyone else. You know, everyone had had dreams about writing, you know, their, their fantasy novel, um, or, uh, the, the science fiction epic. Um, uh, and, and many of those people kind of just dropped off the radar, um, because in, in, oh, in two part, you know, the romance being taken away, I think also the, the environment just wasn't conducive to, to that kind of, uh, genre writing, um, my humble opinion, um, I but, think the but, Australian industry isn't conducive to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's interesting to me because I didn't. So this is where I think our experiences forked because I didn't come in with that yeah. attitude. Because for me, I I was like, I'm going to do a dual degree because I know that um, I'm going to need employment if I'm going to be a writer. So I'm going to get a business degree and I'm going to pursue that path and I'm going to write when I have time or the inclination. Yes. And as a result, I treated both like work. So instead of coming into that degree with like, I have dreams of being a writer and I have dreams of doing becoming, you know, a, a business person or whatever it was, I was like, I've got these two career options and I want to work really hard at both of them to see which will pan out. So I, ne- I, didn't, I didn't have that romance because of how I came into it. So it's interesting to me that the degree itself is conducive to teaching you out of that. Yes, know? that was, it was so important. Um, yeah, you know, I I realized very quickly that I that I had to treat this seriously and that it wasn't a matter of uh career and occupation right. rather than, you know, well, a fantasy world. Yeah, 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 we're just putting these things in front of you so we can discuss literature. Um Which is uh, like a fun that's why I have a podcast. So much fun. It's, that's yeah, why yeah, we have podcasts yeah, instead yeah, yeah, of yeah. like that's not work. But it also know? it also got me through the degree. I mean, I I wouldn't have taken it up if I wasn't just so so fascinated by yeah. by the world of of literature um but you know it it took me it took me a while and i still am kind of getting accustomed to the the idea that this is going to be a job um very much the same way that waiting tables and and uh you know um administrative work is is a job office work in general you know you, you sit down you write your your words every day you know i mean it's enjoyable i enjoy what i do right. don't get me wrong but, but there is sometimes where where i think um the, the kind of veil you get when when you're doing work takes hold um where it's just a job there's no there's no romance to it <laughs> well, i, I want to circle back to that in a second because i think that's a really good point that people need to talk about more because that's that's like i think that's why people have that illusion is because they think that writing is this like experience of discovery a lot of what i've done the last two months of writing has been like staring at paragraphs moving words around looking for spelling mistakes um doing like structural edits with with you like that none of that stuff is like fun to do when you're doing it but at (laughs) the outcome is like is a is a, a piece that works and that but but it's not fun like the process of oh what's this world i'm inventing stuff that's fun but not all of the process work is enjoyable well because fun- fundamentally it's it's not it's it's just like every other job it's it's for your own personal benefit in whatever way it is but it's right. for other people mainly. except like any other job you don't get paid properly for it because yeah. no one values it <laughs> that's the only difference that's the that's the critical difference it's the critical difference it does feel sometimes like a labor of love um especially with your own work 
That's the big okay. That's the biggest like problem. That. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've t- I've now tapped the table and I have to edit that out. But that's the biggest problem is that people treat it always like a labor of love. They don't realize that when it stops being that, that's okay. That's just part of the 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 job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it it takes it takes an immense amount of discipline in the mind to uh, keep that kind of uh, loving dedication that some writers do with their work. Like for, for me personally, when I, when I go through and I edit my work, it is, it is like laying track, you know, it is, it's painstaking <laughs> um, because I, it's, it's a kind of tooth, a fine tooth comb uh, deal. You're going through your work and, and you're, you're trying to, trying to second guess yourself constantly, not, not out of a lack of confidence in the work, but you're trying to put yourself into the mind of the reader and go, you know, this is sentence. Is this sentence as clear as it possibly can be? Or is someone going to take something entirely different out of, of what I put down into the page? And, and the, the cool thing about, because it is like any, any other profession, you have a series of tools that you've learned to use that you can then bring to bear on that problem. And you can say, well, According to these rules, it's a fine sentence, but according to these rules, it may not be. And then you have to use your judgment and your professional experience to be like, okay, maybe I change it this way or I change it this way. And then that the development of those skills would have been much more of a slog right. than if I did the creative writing course. Because it, you know, as. Would it take years of trial and error instead of knowing the theory? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, just dogged research you know i know that before this i I probably just wouldn't have been as passionate um you know like if if i if i were freelancing this um you know i I wouldn't have probably picked up a how to write book or a uh, any any kind of any kind of text that teaches you anything if it wasn't just pushed in my face and and you know and i was made (laughs) to confront that that kind of ivory tower feeling you get as a writer um, initially. When... Is that because art's subjective? Or is it... Because, like, I think, I think the crux of what you're saying it comes to that... The ivory tower idea comes to this idea... comes to the fact that people believe that art is subjective when, in fact, a lot of it is quite objectively... You can, you can apply objective tools to certain problems. I think it comes from uh, some idea... Uh, some, sorry, some ideas. Some writers being plain egotistical um and kind of subscribing to this idea that they're a genius from birth right and that they didn't plug away for 40 years to get that yeah i I think i think i was i was infatuated with that idea when i came in it was only when you know i went through and it was a humbling experience to to kind of just witness how painstaking uh, the the process of of writing and getting your work published really is how much work goes into it and how you know the uh, it's the 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 days of approaching artists like that like people who are who are touched by a divine power just they they're gone I I don't think they ever really existed it's only in retrospect that that we kind of looked at looked at people like that. You know, it's it's so so hard to um, uh, forget uh, great writers as being just people. You know, you you don't think about like Fitzgerald doing his taxes, um, or or you know like Joyce, you know, unclogging his toilet, um, because they're just elevated to this point where where they're almost untouchable in in thought, um, beyond criticism. And does that for you? So you 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 spoke before about when you can when you move through that process of naivete to realizing that in fact writing is like a is like a profession and you have to apply yourself. Yeah. Um, when did you move from that belief to the kind of more pragmatics? Because because obviously every I think as you've described every writer comes in quite dogmatic, believing that they're gonna be. Um, they, they they've got they've got it under control. The degree they have this they have this magical idea of a writer. They come into the degree, they become a bit more pragmatic. And I I personally believe that the difference between and from what I've experienced, and it's all anecdotal, but from what I've experienced, the people that are successful are the people that maintain their pragmatism as they move through their career. And they go, I'm gonna have to make compromises, I'm gonna have to do stuff that I don't want to do to get to the point. It's the people that say, No, no, no my ideals are everything. The idea I am going to write full time. I refuse to do anything else. Those are the people that fail because 
Well, yeah, you know, I think I think that's that's not conducive to the process. I mean, if you're considering being a writer, and there's no hurt in having a job that supports you while you're doing that. I mean, the closer you can get to the field is is, is wonderful. You know, you, you get um, you get you get to use the skills that you have to create something for other people regardless you know it might not be what exactly what you want to do um but even even if you're if you're doing something else god writers have done that forever um uh and and i i think for the majority of, I, I am speaking um uh speaking some sense i am preaching to the choir here when when i say this um it's just for those those lucky few who've kind of evaded that and they're thinking you know, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to just write, <laughs> and that is going to get me through. Um, uh, your quality of life can be a lot better. Um, you know, I it's I again. This is something that I was that I was afraid of initially. <laughs> yeah, I I am a reformed lunatic. Um, That's a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Does that feel to you like? Because I mean, I th- and may- maybe this is just the um, not the pessimism in me speaking, but like my experience with, I worked pretty much full time throughout my whole degree, which has been soul crushing. But there was various reasons that I had to do that. Um, and part of that was learning really quickly that what was happening in class with those writing classes was part of a smaller subset of what was going on with my expanding skill set. And what I started to realize is I was like, well, if I want to become a published writer. I'm going to have to learn how copyright works because books need copyright. I'm going to have to learn how typesetting works. I'm going to have to learn graphic design. I'm going to have to learn page setting. I'm going to have to learn Photoshop. Like, you have to learn video, audio, like all this stuff that you don't think about that you may need if you want to become a published writer because I can effectively do everything that I need to do to publish my own book except a few minor things that are beyond my ability to learn because they require a degree. And I think a lot of people don't really think about that when they go into it. They're like, I'll just do a writing degree and I'll just write or whatever. I'm not saying everyone should start a podcast network and do that as a part-time job or anything, but I just think that there is a missed opportunity to teach young writers in those courses, wherever they are in the world, that they can actually diversify their skill set, build an audience so that when you go to a publisher, you're like, hey, I've got... 10,000 Twitter followers or, hey, we've got, you know, 50,000 listeners or we've got 100,000 subscribers and whatever it is, you've got the opportunity to diversify your skill set, but it comes at a cost because you're not writing when you're doing that. Yeah. And there is this attitude that comes with that where when I tell people in the industry what I do full-time for a living and what I do part-time running a podcast network, there's this kind of thing that happens where they turn their nose up and they go, oh, well, you're not a real writer. You know, like, yeah, you're yeah, not, yeah, you're not yeah. one of us. You're one of them. And that's something that I've <laughs> definitely noticed in the Brisbane scene, you know, and it's... I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I, I have considered uh, all of these things. Mm. Um, just just talking to you has made, made me consider. I was, you know, looking at your uh, cover page mm. you know, for, for uh, the book that's coming out. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I immediately began thinking about how that informs the work. Mm. But I, I don't put too much of an emphasis um, uh, on the publication of the, of the work as a whole. See, my, my process, and I think this is where, where uh, we differ in a way, is very, um, very inward. Um, I am, uh, as, as a writer, I'm consistently reading um, and, and I'm consistently writing and, and trying to refine the work that, that I already have. And the idea of publication after that completely lapses my mind. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's something, it's something that, you know, I, uh, I can and will consider only after I have something that I really want to put out there. Um, because if, if I allow myself to become clouded with those thoughts, I can I I know that I will end up falling in love with the idea of publishing a book rather than the idea of the process oh, you know itself okay. and 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 you know the this is my my kind of religious ritual um <laughs> that yep. is it's somewhat traditionalist I think yeah um <clears throat> you know be, because uh, I I think 
I think this is a lot to be said for everything that comes after as well. Um, you know, uh, considering what, what the book is going to look like, what it's going to feel like, um, you know, uh, how, how it's, well, how and where it's going to be uh, portrayed to people is a, is a big thing. And I approach the same kind of questions, but just within, within the work itself. And that is, it's utterly time consuming. And so while I, while I haven't, uh, diversified my skill set so much i do think that um uh, you know when you get into the 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 just the mechanics behind how your creation is functioning um uh, can be it's 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 effectively 90 percent of the workload in my mind i would argue probably 95 <laughs> i i, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. i think i think some, something that we both i mean obviously we, we've been working on my book for it's got to be a year now together approximately is that uh, is that accurate approximately a little little yeah. before that as well i think yeah I and, think I and be brave enough to say two years now oh, <laughs> i well, we, we've been working on on the work for two years but the book itself for a year yes um and something that i've learned through that whole process of us getting to this point because obviously this was a character that um i was penning the afterword the other night um and one of the things i realized is that i actually started writing this this world when i was 16 mm. and i'm now 22 um and that 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 doesn't seem like that long if you're if you're like most of our listeners you're you're in the older demographic, mm. um, but it was all my formative years I've been working on this world in some way or form. The book itself is only about a year old, I think, yes. um, and that to me speaks volumes about the way that the the the, the journey and the distance as a writer I've come from when we mm. started to now is like leaps and bounds. Like I am, I would argue probably like 110% of a better writer than I was. Like yeah, I've, yeah. I'm, I'm double the writer that I used to be because that year that we spent working on it or the two, the two years, arguably all I've done is research, learn aggressively, pursue mechanisms, like learning mechanics, different theories. I've bought like 18 textbooks. I've read them all like, <laughs> like, but not because of my degree, but because that was something that I decided I was going to do. Yeah. Well, it's something that's something that I think you had to do. Um, I think, yeah. yeah Cause I was yeah, stuck yeah. in, in a, in a, it's not paradigm. What's the word? Like when you're stuck, like just doing like the same, not like a rut, but like a insanity. You're looking for the yeah, word insanity. Yeah, insanity. Where it's like you're driving on it. You're on, you're on a, uh, a train that's on tracks and you're wondering why you're not turning off. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like, you got to get off the fucking train, dude. Like that was pretty much what my experience was at that point. And it wasn't until I started working with you that I was like, oh, I'm stuck on, like I'm on a train. Like that, you know, that was, that was that experience yeah. for me. And going through that whole process of editing that work and working through that process for me, because I'm not, I don't have the focus in my life because of the way that my life has panned out the mm. reasons beyond my control and also decisions that I've made that I own. I don't have time to, uh, allocate in the way I would like to internally reflect on that work. But what I do have is a, a tool set that I was able to apply to that work once I finished it. And then when I brought it to you, I was like, look, I've done some of the heavy, like I've done some of the heavy lifting to get this story roughly working. Let's do this. And then I think from there, that was when we went into that editor author relationship, but that yeah. only happened because we both understood the work in the industry that we wanted to bring it into. And I, I, don't, I just don't think that we talk about that enough with young writers, like that it's okay to like, we work as a team in that sense, because you're much more internally focused and then I'm much more externally focused. Mm. And that balance really complements the work nicely because I see different things than you see and you see different, and you see stuff I don't see. Mm. And it's this cool thing where like every time I read one of your edits, I'm like, oh, of course. Like, why didn't I see that? And then I'll say something and you're like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah. just a nice yeah, balance. Yeah, yeah, it's a back and forth. It helps, it helps when you have other, another person there to, to discuss it, especially another person who's, who's invested in, in mm. the work. Um, do you feel like we should be teaching? I was, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna address that. I mm. think this is, this is the the uh, unfortunate thing about the the environment at university is that it, at the end of it all, you're working toward a mark, um, and there can be some dissonance with, you know, I uh, I want to do, I want to do something uh wacky or, or left field um and, and you know just it's unsafe i want to write outside of my boundaries 
And, you know, some, some people, they do it and it, it works perfectly. And, and, you know, they're, they're hailed as, uh, as someone very, very good at what they do. Yes. And the majority of the time, though, it's going to come out as a, dis- a, dis- a, 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 a disheveled mess. Oh, I thought you were trying to say disaster. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's going to come out as a mess. Yeah. You can edit that out. Cut that um, out. Cut yeah. that out. Um, <laughs> uh, but... You are writing for a mark, um, and so it it becomes a kind of balancing act where, mm-hmm. and this is something that was brought up in the classrooms at at university by by some tutors uh-huh. is you know they they probably rather a kind of pass fail system instead of instead of the scale for those of, uh, I I don't know of. Uh, it's, it works different internationally. It, it so you works, probably yeah. Explain. It works different internationally. We have a scale from one to seven. Uh, virtually one to three is is non-existent because if you've gotten a below f- a four, yeah. it's a fail. Um, but every grade above four uh, indicates how well you've done with a particular piece of assessment. So it's four, iter- it's a pass. Iterative based on criteria. Yeah, yeah. Five credit, uh, six is a distinction, and seven is high distinction. You are so so distinct um uh and this is how creative writing was marked now i didn't have a problem with it personally and i was i was working with what i think was uh more left field work than some people um you you and i i took that risk you are not i would describe your work is not um you don't play down the middle of the field of the industry. You write. I try not to. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty. I mean, f- for those of you who haven't read Aaron's work, which is everyone, which I think is everybody yeah. in the world. Um, yep. uh, yeah, you you def you. I describe your work to other people as being like esoteric, but in a really pretty way. It is very pretty. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> like like your writing is pretty, and it's like that's and like that's good, but like that's not what they're marking for. What they're marking for is their criteria. Well, yeah, and look, I think the criteria that they had in this particular course that we were doing was very generous. I thought um, it was adequate and generous. Yes, yeah. I, I, I just don't think that you know, you know, if 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 initially the the kids in the course are working, you know, toward creating something risky and experimental, that that's the space that. They can easily do that. I, I would argue oh, I'm going to be like a fucking old woman or like a like a 70 year old cranky man. I would argue <laughs> that's not the space to do that because the biggest problem with a lot of these students mm. is that they don't have the fundamentals. Well, like b- because and not not it's not it's not their stu- it's not the students' faults. It's because the universities and during my experience they they jumped a lot of the really important stuff that. Like there was just a bunch of stuff that we never talked about that you need to know to write a book that's that's good and like I I I agree with that only in so much as the units that did cover those mm-hmm. things came a little bit too late. Well, yes, yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to criticize the course. I am pro creative writing course. Um, yeah, uh, but I am I'm just uncertain as to whether um, uh, a scale grade is is the best system to employ when you want to foster imaginative and experimental writers you know but is that what the my question is is that what the degree is for for? well look it's it's really a matter of how you view the degree i'm I'm certain that you know that uh uh, look this is a rare minority within within Mm -hmm. the degree would have taken that degree up for the professional side of professional writing right you know um uh, because there were elements of that there, there were elements of that. Yes, um, the, the the majority of it ran like like a lit course, um, but with some a really light lit course. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. with the majority of it was was uh, you know creative writing. Based. Correct. Yeah. Um, uh, I and you know like it, if the intention is to create a fine arts degree um, and uh, and funnel students in who want to become creative writers uh, or or you know, uh, screenwriters, for instance, you know, I think that, uh, you need to foster that kind of experimental environment because it will, it will be innovative. 
You know, um, right. it's it's not going to because uh, that's that's a big problem here in Australia. Here in Australia, there is a a kind of stubborn refusal to confront the future of writing, and this is this is uh, the my my humble opinion. Oh, I will. Um, I'm. I will. I'm, I'm. I'll go into bat for you on this one. So you yeah. finish, and then I'll back. I'll back because you up. because like uh, the and this is this is this is the youth. This is the youth. This isn't, uh, you know, hard-hitting, um, you know, writing veterans who've, who've been in the you game. Know, we're, we're talking like Gen Y. And talking, Gen yeah, Z, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who have this idea that they're they're going to write about, you know, uh, let's say Australian identity um, in the beginning, um, and and come out with something that that reads a little bit like Shrimp on the Barbie, you know, kind of deal. Um, I describe it. Uh, I heard someone describe it as Walton Matilda fiction. Yes, right. It's, <laughs> yeah. It plays so into the identity that it's almost like illegible of structure and like content. It's just a so lot of alien. Time. It's it's alien to to the vast majority of uh, of the, the youth who haven't really experienced that environment in totality. You know, um, uh, there there are still there are still some larrikins around. Certainly, right. But those but, aren't the people that are going to Barnes and Noble to buy a book. Well, they yeah, the I I I, uh, I highly doubt they're the you know they're going to pick up uh, the Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro and and gain right. the same same uh, kind of meaning out of it as you know like the the majority of people who live in the coastline of Australia, right. um, uh, particularly the. Uh, the eastern coastline, yeah. you know, which is where we are based Correct. right now. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's metropolitan <laughs> suburban um, people a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. there just seems to be a refusal to address the fact that we don't put any money or funding or education toward teaching people to write stuff that people are gonna maybe relate and enjoy, like or do something different if that's not what you're going for. I think it's like know? the 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 kind of like, how you how you call it the waltzing Matilda fiction um, also pushes a lot of young writers away into speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Do you want to explain for people who don't know what speculative fiction is? Uh-huh. <laughs> or try it's that was a that was not meant to be a loaded question but it's a complicated one some context yeah, maybe you are and explain speculative fiction so it's it's, it's like a catch-all term for anything that involves an imaginative element to it that was a pretty good one sentence Any, anything summary. That, that any, yeah, I'm going to now ruin that. Um, anything, oh, good. Yeah. Anything that uh, couldn't quite be called realism. Nor I'll, could it I'll quite say, be called magical. So, <laughs> like, it's one of those with where it's like it, it's like someone. Uh, What's a good example of like what would you like a good example of like a story that might be speculative fiction that like a, so one that one that's right in the heart. Um, let's say. Uh, Alice in Wonderland is a good example of something that is definitely within the bounds of speculative fiction. Something like The Martian. Um, uh, that's uh, uh, this, uh, who wrote that? This was the film starring Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, yeah. Yes. I'm quite a, quite science a, the fuck out of this. Really solid, um, <laughs> really solidly structured book. Uh, I didn't see the film though. Well, it was, it was, a, it was a heavily researched. Um, heavily. Was well, a sci- book. scientist wrote it? I think from memory. I think I think he was he was just an amateur. Mm. And he he was he was very good with Google, and yeah, he just googled a lot of, he, a lot he, of storytelling. He, he managed to he managed to understand um, uh, the the flight paths of of shuttles quite well. Which um, is like in order to write the book. It was Andy Weir who wrote that? But he took liberties with potato farming on Mars. Well, yeah, which but is, which is impossible. I, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I, haven't <laughs> seen, I haven't seen the film, but the book does a pretty decent job of addressing regardless of the science fiction element of it, I yeah. think. And if you want to call it science fiction in inverted commas, I think it crosses that line to be like, it's like sci-fi speculative it a is, little bit. It is definitely It's in that weird, fiction. like, um. <laughs> zony thing where it's like, it, but like, they try not to have stuff happen that could, that, is beyond the bounds of physics. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like well, Andy yeah, Weir yeah, wasn't yeah. like, I'm going to write a fantasy book set in space on Mars. He no, was like, no, he was like he I'm going to write a science, gonna write hard science procedural fiction. Yeah, on Mars. Yeah, yeah. This guy. And, and 
but again, the the catch-all term of speculative fiction can be applied because there are some. Uh, very, there are elements. There are some liberties taken. Yes, you know something. Something that is uh, that is. And this is this is you know uh, realism that tends to be tends to be hard and uh, mm-hmm. more you know, inward psychological and and uh, I guess uh, logical right. um, and and actual within <laughs> within reality you know um, uh, couldn't isn't isn't necessarily pushed into speculative fiction even though even though you know the the events made up. Are, fix, uh, are fictitious. Yeah, they're not real, know. but it's it's yeah, re- yeah, realism yeah. is the term for it's, when it could happen. Yeah, yeah, it's namely you know like it's when you put uh, something that probably is never going to happen. Yeah, but you can probably write is never going to happen. Yeah. You know, but um. <laughs> do you, do you feel like with that that the problem of like pushing people into speculative fiction that like where do you see the issue with that in in the industry? Not, not, not to throw shade at people that do write speculative fiction. No, There's nothing not at wrong all. with it. I do. I, I am a speculative fiction writer. Yeah. Um, but and <laughs> but you had the look where you were like, uh, but but I, I know from from being being in this course uh, first and foremost, and I know from from reading widely mm-hmm. that if if you if you are pushed towards speculative fiction, the I guess the kind of logical thing to do is to hey, I should read speculative fiction. I should. I want to be a fantasy author, so I'm just going to read fantasy mm-hmm. and and figure the tropes um, from from these books that I'm reading. Figure uh, out what's okay, I'm with you. And yep. and the you you miss out on so much. Um, uh, and and I think that when like if 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 you're kind of alienated from from what's going down in in uh in your part of the world as far as uh Australiana literature is concerned um and you don't want to pick up a book because it's by an Australian author or because it's set in Australia you know um then you you miss out on on whatever this this uh, wonderful country of ours is responding right. to as far as literature is concerned um you know, and a lot of pe- a lot of people widespread. do yeah, like a lot of people are turned off by that, and I get it. Like, a lot of it isn't good. Like, j- speaking to the industry as a whole, they fostered an environment where a lot of it just isn't good. It just plays to whatever the award is they were trying to win, or like this. These are the these are the things I think that are read, uh, readily available to us. Um, you know, I uh, I'm aware there are some very very good Australian authors, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to discount them whatsoever. Um, right. You know, I uh, this is me throwing shade in an entire country's right. literary <laughs> tradition. Shade everywhere. Um, uh, but I, I think the, I think the the things that are accessible to the common person, you know, the 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 airplane novels that that you you pick up, are are just not in, indicative of that. Um, and I know, I know that that you know there be some people who argue that it's you know you're talking about different audiences entirely. You know, people say, you know, obviously someone that you want to be writing for isn't reading airplane fiction. Um, but the <laughs> like the the fact of the matter is, is that this is this is what tends to excite people, and this is this is what is published. You've generally. you've you've come back. You've you've circled yourself nicely back around to what you said at the start, which was that. When you write, because you're, you're internally focused a lot of the time, um, you tend to be thinking about the audience that you have. And yeah. sorry, you tend not to be thinking about the audience you have. You tend to be thinking about the work. Tend to be thinking about the work. And um, so let my me, question, let me my question. That. Let me clarify that I do think about my audience. No, 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 a lot. no, 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 no. I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, in so, I mean, in, in so far as you don't, you're not one of those people who's like vampires are popular. I'm going to write a vampire book. No, no, not because. And no disrespect to those writers, people that do that and make money and like turn it over in like six months. Props to them for because someone needs to do it. Like I get it. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. Yeah, someone yeah, needs to do yeah. it. So no, no problem with that. But what you're saying is that potentially in the industry there is this issue where, and especially when you're coming out of university and you've got a degree tucked into your back pocket, and you've gone through the dogmatic to pragmatic um viewpoint of like now i know what the industry is i know the kind of work i want to do i work at mcdonald's and i'm a manager to pay the bills and i write three days a week or whatever it is you're in that position and you come into the industry and what you discover is that the only thing people are publishing is speculative fiction in a particular 
not tone, but you'll know what I mean when I say this, but it has like a, a specific slant to it that like it has to feel a particular way for it to get popular and to start being nominated for awards. And it has to be such a book that you could get up at a writer's festival and talk about it with an intelligent dialogue instead of what should be able to happen, which is you wrote a book that was successful and hit all the beats it needed to and was relatively inventive. It did some interesting stuff and it was fun and it was good and it didn't win any awards. And instead of talking about that book, you're not going to get nominated because that's not what they're looking for. So then you go, fuck, to get printed in Australia, (laughs) I have to write the specific thing they want. And then everyone keeps writing that and the publishers are like, man, everyone keeps writing. We better publish more of it. People want to read it. And then eventually all you're doing is publishing (laughs) the same thing over and over. And then... Then people wonder why it's like, why is Australian fiction all waltzing Matilda? Like, you know what I mean? I think I think this is uh, more tending toward what is popular mm-hmm. rather than than what wins awards. So clarify that. You know, they're they're definitely. Um, this is me. This is me going on defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aaron's like, Aaron's like, I'm, I'm stepping like, back oh in the God. industry's corner. I've got um, my gloves yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just putting out the fires where we start them. Um, uh, <laughs> it's fine. We've already burned the house down. Don't worry about it too down. much. Yeah. Um, we're standing uh, in the chart, actually, ruins. The, the, the books that, the books that win awards generally win awards for the, for the best reasons because they, they are, uh, they are, more tend to uh, men, more tend toward the original. Um, they're they're not kind of carbon copies. Um, uh, but this is this is my kind of uh, fascination with uh, what is kind of churned out on repeat. Mm-hmm. You know um, that that people people keep reading um, uh, and uh, uh, you know, like like crime fiction is a is a big one. Um, you know, crime fiction, I think, is is the it pushes the most units. Yeah, I mean, the the thriller and detective genres are like the biggest selling ever of all yeah, time in the yeah, world. Yeah, and, and I don't are. I don't know if that I don't know if that's um, if that's just an Australian thing. I think I think it's I think no, it's, it's everywhere. I think it's everywhere. Um, David Baldacci is like one of the biggest selling writers. Of yeah, time. yeah. I, I think I think the uh, I think true crime in Australia sells as well. Whatever that mm. means. Um, it, they do have, a lot of TV with that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do. <laughs> a lot of TV yes, with they that. Do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, is a weird fascination. Of, this, of the Australian yeah, consumption, yeah, yeah. consuming, we, yeah, um, yeah. That's point. that's that's something that um, is. I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in with with Australiana. Uh, no, well sure. that that's that's just, um, that's more of a global industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would I I think and I I would hope that that is what people are reading more so than than the kind of you know uh, Drover's you know <laughs> yeah. Red Dog Adventure kind of stories, <laughs> right? Um, uh, you know, if you're, you know, writing, writing your story and you're writing your story informed from things that are generally just, just churned out, then you're going to write the same thing over and over and mm-hmm. you push units, but it doesn't do anything to, to further, uh, further, further everything as a whole. Do you think that's. Further, further the tradition as a whole. Is that that's that's the grand plan? But is that is that? Don't mistake my question for for an opinion or a viewpoint or a standing point. Mm. But is that what you think a writer's job is? Or do you think that they have a responsibility to do that? I think I think it's as as uh, as a writer and as a human. You know, you don't want to go into a venture. um, You know, unless there's this inexplicably just a gap um like a really simplistic obvious gap in the market you know um uh writing something that has already been written let me argue in defense of writing something that's already been written for two reasons <laughs> not for myself but i just think it's important to acknowledge this as an industry because i think a lot of it goes overlooked and and, and the creativity and the intelligence and the perseverance required to do this here's the two kinds of people I defend in this category. People that write daily sitcoms, so Home and Away, Neighbors, Bold and the Beautiful, those people need like a fucking Emmy every year because they somehow (laughs) write five episodes a week. And I know they use the same stories every few years or whatever. They write five episodes of a TV show a week. That's a fucking lot. I know there's like five of them or whatever. That's a lot of fucking TV to write. 
So those people, they get a pass because someone has to do that because there's always people at home who need something to watch while they're doing the ironing when mm. their kids are at school. I get it. And retirees need something to watch. That's, that's fine. A, that's the radical end of treating yeah. uh, writing as a job. They get a pass because um, it's a nine to five. They turn up every day with a coffee yes, and a cardigan yeah, and they get yeah, the yeah, fucking job they, done. They throw ideas around, you know, or just draw them out of a hat. Exactly. And go, All right, we're doing this today. Yeah. Fellas. Um, and that's great. And those people, get a, those people get a pass. Yeah. Agreed? Yes. Okay. The second person that gets my defense is people that write romantic comedy films for big <laughs> studios every year. Because... Yes. Every Valentine's Day. Every Valentine's fail. Day, there is a remake of Love Actually. Yeah, and every yeah, Christmas yeah. is a remake of Love Actually. Yes. I, def- I give those people a pass because what they do is they make enough money in Hollywood to make the interesting shit. Mm. And they get a pass. Everyone else, you need to probably do a little bit better. And you need to think about doing better. And I think that maybe more importantly, you need to not necessarily demand better from the things that you're consuming, but actively pursue stuff that is beyond your comfort zone or beyond what you would normally think of in the stuff you like to find those things that are worthy of your consumption that are different or experimental or interesting. Mm. So that when someone coming into the industry goes, oh, there's no market for blah, 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 blah then when they do a bit of digging, they can be like, oh, but actually, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think we're in a really cool space now with distribution and digital media and like all the different options that you have to where you can say to yourself, I'm going to write four seasons of a radio play and sell it to a podcast network. And that's going to be my grand contribution or whatever. Yeah. What you're going to do is, you know, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to do something different with it though. It's not just going to be another Night Vale episode. Like that kind of like yeah. it, whatever it is, you can find different ways to get your work out there. But I think you touch on something that I, I don't think it's the responsibility of a writer to do something different, but I think that if you're going to, why are you bothering unless you're trying to tell a story that you genuinely want to tell and that you feel like you need to tell? I, I, I think those, those are one and the same thing. Um, I, I think that, that, you know, if, if you're, if you're consistently reading, you know, and you're reading within a certain vein, you mm-hmm. know, um, yeah, say speculative fiction, um, I'll go fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll choose fantasy because that is what I know about. Um, uh, then you need to be looking for the next foothold, you know, um, because the, if you, if you just keep circling that, First of all, you run the risk that someone else is going to find it and that it was really obvious. Right. You know, and you're going to feel like a like a jangus like because dick. you didn't you didn't pick it up. Yeah. You know. Um and you know, uh, second of all, I I can't think of a worse hell than to be a writer <laughs> mm-hmm. and write the same thing that I've been reading over but and over. Can again. you imagine why people get stuck doing that? Like can, I want them if, if, like, you, like, if you genuinely love it. I can understand if you gain like, pleasure from writing writing the same right. stories that you've been reading. Uh, that's you know that, that's that's uh, and don't get me wrong. Like like you can yeah as as long as something is different different about it. Um, right. But I um, uh, I think we've we talked about um, talked about the the story grid before. Yeah. And one of the concepts that comes up in that is you can condense the the stories down into heroes' journeys. Yeah. Um, uh, which which isn't is, it's not that's a that's a radical claim to make. And when I when I uh, I was sitting down in the park and I was on the on the uh, the edge of the the park bench mm-hmm. there, you know, while people were walking their dogs, you had like an existential furiously, crisis, yeah. furiously reading and and breathing heavily, um, right. <laughs> going, you know, hyper hyperventilating right. that that uh, someone can come along and kind of and just push everything about writing in, into this into this little box. And you know, that's that's. It's just a theory, um, uh, but then, then you know, if if that if that is absolutely the case, you know, and that's that's the the limits, mm. that's the limits of writing. Then I I can't imagine that any writer out there would not want to immediately, uh, like uh, like a chimpanzee, just mm. push that limit, you know. Um, uh, but that, that well, that, that's the point of, of primal. <laughs> that's the point of that energy of that of the story grid in the first place, right? Mm. Is that what so the story for those of you who aren't aware is uh, Sean Coyne, uh, who was like he's like this editor who gets paid like he's like he's like a million dollar editor like he's he's big in the he's, game he's you know? covered a lot of people he's he 
uh, he's Steve Pressfield's personal editor. If you don't know who Steve Pressfield, is, Steve Pressfield is, you've never read a war novel in your life because Steve wrote every <laughs> single one of them. But but Sean Coyne, incredibly talented dude, and he, a while ago um, he developed this personal spreadsheet system that helped make his editing a little more just like manageable. Yeah, and it kept evolving, kept evolving until eventually he found the Story Grid, which basically asserts that every story can kind of work or not work based on a series of criteria. That to do with like valence shifts and turning points and stuff like that. It's a whole thing. But the the ultimate conclusion that he draws, um, and he has a really good podcast that you should listen to if you write anything, just because I think it's informative either way, whether you agree or disagree. Um, one of the really interesting conclusions he draws is that the whole point of the story grid is so that when you can teach someone what works, then they can do the the, the yes. innovative stuff. Yes. And I think that was what I was talking about at the start, not the story grid specifically, but at the start when we talked about university students are starting out, is like you need to get the core fundamentals. Like Stephen King didn't write Dr. Sleep as this weird like fucking surreal dream follow-up to The Shining um, in this weird structure that he put together that is brilliant and genius. He didn't write that because he didn't like, he didn't be like, Oh, let's just invent a structure. He was like, I'm going to take these three structures. I'm going to bastardize them in this way. And then I'm going to write it and see what happens. Mm. And for him, that might've been natural. Like he may not have thought about it, but he's been writing for, you know, 40, however many years, Yeah, yeah 40 yeah, years. So that's intuitive. Without eating he's written two books a year or something. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like he knows, right? Like, <laughs> yes. he's, he's on top of it. But for everyone else starting out, what you have to do is you have to learn those tools whether it's the store grid whether it's something else whether it's steve pressfield's fulls cap stuff whatever the thing is you choose the the tools that you bring to bear on your work are crucial in the early days because they let you know fundamentally what like what's really broken in your work like if if you don't follow any narrative structure unless you're a genius that's probably not going to work initially i i don't um I don't disagree with that. Mm. I I am all for the learning of the fundamentals mm-hmm. um, before before you break them. But in in a in a in the field that we're in, mm. um, uh, you know, we uh, are we have immense liberty. Mm. You know, it's it's dizzying. Just, just it's horrifying to it's think about. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Um, you can you do know, literally anything. Can, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like um, when when it comes to word to page, you know, there's there's no uh budget requirement um uh, other other than than just trying to to make it as clear as possible you know like i for for me the um with things like what you're talking about with the with the with the, with the story grid what we're talking about the story grid any any kind of narrative structure you can you can overlay over the top you know and if you if you have a clear idea of how that works um then even then you can start breaking breaking the yeah. rules with that because there, there just aren't any rules you know but, and and that's that's such a when you have that realization that as long as you have like i th- i think one of the biggest mistakes is to assume that you don't need any rules whatsoever no i yeah yeah, yeah you know I, what i mean I think, like i think you like, do you do like, need some sort like, of like like th- i think we've hit we've we've met in the middle where it's like you definitely yeah. need something to like i'm not i'm i guess what i'm what i'm saying is don't don't go and buy the story grid book and then write your book according to the story grid. What you should do is write your book the way that you want to write it and then pick up the story grid and pick up a bunch of other tools and mm. see what, how you can bring those tools to bear on your work to give you the best possible version of what you want. It's, it's a good way to interrogate it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think so. Mm. Um, I remember uh, uh, my tutors, Rowan Wilson, uh, was uh, talking about, uh, I think, I think he... he and I might be misquoting him. Um, uh, talking about how, yeah, I'll para- paraphrase him. Say that that the the most interesting works are the works from that start from the highest possible point and end at the lowest possible point. Yes, you know, and um, which is which is on if you set that to a graph would not look like uh, the hero's journey, right? Um, uh, you know, there where where there's there's a return home at the end. You know, well, the, it depends on which genre you're talking about. That, well, but no, I, sorry, I, I, I don't mean um, story genre. I mean like internal genre. So like whether it's a coming of age story, like because the hero's journey is just like an arch plot. Like it's not, it's yeah. got nothing to do with the genre. No, 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 no. And it's, like, it, but it's it's a way of structuring the story. Yeah. You know. So I get what you're saying. Like that doesn't match up at all. But if you're the kind of person, if you told someone that the best stories work the way that he did, you could actually write a really compelling piece that works in a different way. Yeah. And that's the crucial thing that I don't think enough people get taught at university is that what you should do is seek out those toolkits so that when you get into the, like, 
for instance, to bring it out of writing for a second, mm. and I think this might be a good place to, to wrap up the segment because we mm. have run out of time for the second one, but I think a good way to think about it is when I approach a design project uh, in my marketing job, so I need to design a, sli- a marketing slide deck or something, I don't just Google, or I don't just look up references for one specific set. I look at eight or 12 different sets, find my base point, keep working, look at eight or 12 other different sets, keep like, you, you don't just consult one um, focused funnel when you produce work in that field. So when I write, I don't just go, I'm only going to do the story grid or I'm only going to do, you know, yeah, this structure. Looking at a range of. Yeah. Range and, of and, and you pull from yeah. that material and then you find ultimately all that stuff exists because what's really cool about writing is that a lot of other people have spent a lot of other time working shit out for you. And what you can do is you can <laughs> look at that stuff and go, cool. I understand how this works and understand how it relates to my work. And I'm going to use that to make my work better. Yeah. And in the way that I want it to be better, not in the way that you think it's going to sell more or the way that your editor tells you it's got to be about like, you have to start from a fundamental point of like, this is a story that I want to tell in a way that I'm interested in. And I think that if you do that, then when you come into the industry, you're already like roads ahead of everyone else who, whether they have just come out of university or they're like self-taught, whatever their context is, if you've given yourself those tools and you're pragmatic enough to understand how to use them, as you said, you can do like basically anything. Yeah. Like you, you, you've basically given yourself no limit because. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're, abs- yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, uh <laughs> it's unfathomable. It's ridiculous. And it it's is. kind of exciting. It's yes, it is. Yeah. It is absolutely exciting. Mm. I think that, that, you know, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to write something that's already been done. So looking ahead for you, and this might be a good place to end, what do you see in your crystal ball? What what direction do you want to go in? What direction do I want to go in? Which I know is an incredibly loaded question, but... Eventually. I do want to become an academic. That's way down the line. That's way down the line there. To be to be completely fair, the 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 most immediate things are are going to be uh probably uh freelance editing jobs mm-hmm. and uh potentially if I can get my foot in the door, a copywriting position. Um, you know, or or, or something where I'm uh, using my skills to uh, do something that's completely irrelevant to to fiction, um, uh, perhaps in the vein of advertising or, or marketing campaigns or something yeah. like that. Um, Step into my world. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Make the descent. Um, uh, uh, but it's yes, more of a, you know. it's more of a horizontal sort of slow stumbling fall into your crawling. Than yes, a, than, a, than a fall. But all of this with the assumption that I will be working towards something that I do love. Correct. Um, you know, I I really yeah must stress that if you if you love what you do, if you love your process, you, you can't just you can't just settle there. It's not worth it, especially as, as if to your development as an artist, just and, to just yeah. leave it there. And like, because it's your professional career, yes. you have to keep evolving. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. That might be a good place to end. Well, thank you for joining me for this episode. It's no been problem. a pleasure. I feel like we didn't yell at each other too much, which is like a good outcome. No, it was, it was a good, it was a good yeah. spiraling discussion. It was, it was good. We got really deep into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as always, this episode is brought to you by our lovely patrons. Uh, they make this all possible. They help me keep the lights on, uh, which is nice. In this case, they help me pay for the petrol to get me to your lovely apartment yes. to do this particular episode. Mm. Um uh, but as always, you can hit us up on socials. We're at DCM underscore works. Uh, my book is coming out soon. There'll be more information on that as that becomes readily available. You are the editor, of course. Um, <laughs> so if it's crap, send R and some angry tweets, yep. um, some <laughs> emails or whatever. Uh, Scapegoat. That's right. I'll just blame you and I'll get <laughs> yeah, off yeah, scot-free. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't my fault. Didn't do it. Uh, this week's Patreon-only episode of Ubuntu Suggestion was about E3. We yelled about how unexcited we were about everything. So if you are a patron, you can go check that out now. If not, if you donate more than $3 a month, you get access to that, plus a bunch of other exclusive content, which is great if you want to hear more of us. Or even if you don't, I guess, you can just support us, which is great. I know some people are like, we're sick of hearing about you. Um, so that's that. I think that's all my plugs. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, I'm at DCM I Hate Pie on Twitter. Do you have anything that you want to plug? 
Uh, look, if you want to follow me on Twitter, on the Twitter, um, uh, my Twitter is at Arasvari underscore drunk. Um, That's a good Twitter handle. <laughs> it was it was the suggested Twitter name, um, harsh, which means man. my metadata is being read. Um, <laughs> they worked a lo- they worked they out a worked lot about out. you. That's kind of great. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, go, what, uh, what kind of stuff do you tweet? What kind of Twitter do you have? Are you a tweety boy or do you not tweet that? I much? I do tweet upon occasion. You're, I am an occasional <laughs> I've been known tweeter. To tweet. I've been known to tweet um uh i i right now mm-hmm. not a lot um I'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest mm-hmm. i am a bit a bit of quacky when it comes to comes to my tweeting so if you, if you um, want to see a tweet every few months that's bizarre is that yes the... yeah 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 there is a good picture of me as a fish um sounds exciting. uh is in in brisbane cbd when it was flooding um oh, there you go but yeah yeah what follow me follow me seriously i love i yeah. love getting that it's like a warm hug every time Except an internet hug. So Except it's like it's a cyber hug. Yeah. Yes. It's, so it's sort of the same. Yeah. Uh, but as always, guys, thanks for watching. Um, if you did enjoy, make sure you leave a rating, all that good stuff. It does help out the show. It lets us know that you care, which is what it's all about. Thanks again, Aaron. No problem. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.